and welcome to the Hack Your Mindset podcast with me, Jenny Winterleach, the Mindset Hacker. So wherever you are today and whatever it is you're doing while you're listening to this, settle in and enjoy the ride. <laughs> welcome. Good morning. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, so I'm not going to do much talking today because clearly I've lost the ability to do it. This is, I think, my third live this week. And uh, obviously it's something that's checked out on a, on a bank holiday Friday. So, um, Krista, tell us a little bit about um, your story. So you've been um, with Flying Changes now. This is your second year as an ambassador. Um, we love having you on the team. It's been an absolute fun-filled journey. So tell us a little bit about why you got in touch with us when you did and, and what it's all been about for you for the last year and a bit, nearly a half. It was a random time that I applied to you, actually. So I um, originally saw the post on Facebook, um, saw it once and then sort of ignored it because I was like, I'm just not good enough to be a brand ambassador. So no, Um and friends had worked with you before so I knew this about you and I thought you know what sod it I am actually going to apply um and I was really struggling with my competing so I'm super competitive naturally as a person and I had an amazing dressage horse who I'd had on loan we'd worked really hard together we were starting to go out competing and it was all fine when I put no pressure on myself but as soon as something went okay that's it I was like right I need to qualify for this I must do this so now I can do that um and I didn't realize the impact it was having I knew that something happened to me the moment I went out of the warm-up into the competition arena I'd had my trainers come and watch me no one could kind of figure out what was going on apart from I just went like this and didn't really breathe um so no one could help me so I knew it had to be something to do with my head so that's why I was going to start the journey anyway but I thought right take the opportunity and see if Jenny can sort out my head. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about that journey then because I think we sort of got there really didn't we and then all sorts of things happened along the way as they do but t- tell us a little bit about the kind of stuff that really helped you with that. Yeah I mean we've gone on a real random journey from sorting out my whole life basically um so that's probably been the biggest benefit of working with you is that it's not just I think you were talking about in your live this morning it's not just about um my riding actually it was about everything that I was doing um outside of that so it's had little kind of impacts in everything that I'm doing which has been really great um but for me, I think I didn't quite appreciate how much of a fixed mindset I had around competing. So you gave me a lovely book to read. Um, and I thought, you know, I had an amazing, you know, I've, I'm really open-minded generally in life. So I thought, you know, I had a great growth mindset. I'm reading this book thinking, yeah, growth mindset, fixed mindset. No, definitely not me, 100% not. Um, but as I started reading it, and I didn't realize that you can have fixed elements in part of your life. So I was reading it thinking, oh, actually, hang on. I think I might have a fixed mindset around competing because it was all about the percentage and all about the success that was driving it. It wasn't about, you know, if I made a mistake, I would beat myself up for days, weeks, months. Um, And it was ruining my competing experience you know I'm not a professional rider I do this as you know my hobby um, although I am super competitive I want to do well um, but it's not how I pay my mortgage so I needed to have fun and get the fun back and I'd lost all of that I was just chasing scores and then this frustration was building because the more I chased the scores the worse I was performing I was doing brilliantly in training at home um, and everyone kept saying to me, oh, you should be getting 70%. You should be doing this. And I was like, I know I should, but I can't. <laughs> so it wasn't the skill. It was all up here. Um, and so to understand and change the way that I was thinking about competing um, and we put in some really key things. And for me, it's those three things that I need to focus on rather than getting in the warm up. And I know all of the girls have kind of mentioned this, like you go in the warm-up and be like, huh, that horse over there is going really well. I changed it and almost did um, the Nadia thing of being overconfident in the warm-up. And I need to be that person in the warm-up. I'm the bitch in the warm-up. I don't know if I'm allowed to say bitch, but sorry. Um, I ride 
I keep on my line. I don't let people distract me. I am super uber focused. And that's how I have to be to cope with things. I do, however, say to other competitors, if I think they've got a nice jacket or I think their horse is going really well, they're having a bit of a crap time. I will say to them, chill, like, you look really good. I love your boots. I love this. Your horse looks fab or whatever. I will try and even though I'm like focused, I try and be nice as well. Um, occasionally. <laughs> um, it's so, interesting that though, isn't it? That just because you're focused on something doesn't mean, I mean, I know you said you were a bitch and yes, you can say that. Um, but it, just because you're focused on it, it doesn't mean that you have to be a horrible person. It just means that you're, you're in your zone, you're on your goal. And I think the fact that you actually will sometimes say someone something, you pop out your bubble for a little bit, you make a nice comment because actually you, you're you don't want to be seen as this horrible person and you certainly don't run people down you're just very clear about what it is you want there's a fine line with that isn't there yeah there really is and I think because I'd spent such a long time with my other horse buddy he was a nightmare in the world he had a he got smacked in the face with a whip as a four-year-old so every time he'd be on the inside track if anything came cantering towards us he would spin and go in the other direction so I was uber conscious of everybody around me and that was for my own safety obviously um but it became too much um but with Bella she doesn't care um and she's hilarious in the world she just rides at people I almost have to just I'm like, oh, sorry <laughs> she takes over and she just loves it so um yeah I have my three things that I think about I keep it really simple I chant them in the way in the lorry on the way so I think about it I'm not very good at visualization because I was doing it before, but I, all I was doing was visualizing a red ribbon. I didn't realize I was actually doing it wrong. That's not what you're actually supposed to do. So um, I started riding through my test in my head um, and thinking, all oh, right, I need to do a half halt here. I need to put my leg on here. I need to think about the bend here. Um, and that's how you're actually supposed to visualize rather than like, oh. um, which is great. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I think of my three things and then I went from, well, I think I went to Parwood and we'd been working together for about five months. And I think it was just after I'd read the book and I was like, right, I've got my new system. That's it. I'm going to go and nail it. Everything is good. Um, and I had, right, it's a new venue. Bella's not been there before. I need to focus on my three things. So I had it. And I came out of the test and I thought I'd nailed it. I was so happy. People were saying to me, you did a great job, well done. I was like, whoop, whoop, yeah, I got me. Jenny and me nailed it. Anyway, I went to the scoreboard and my face was like this. What the hell? I got, what did I get, 55% or something? And honestly, I was furious. And my old fixed mindset came back to little horn me. So I wasn't right, this is right at the beginning of this journey. So I wasn't, I wasn't really prepared and I got really angry then I got really upset then we had a session you sorted me out and was like mm, was it really the judge's fault was she there <laughs> um and so I had a bit of a recheck um but then so that was in the May I think and then in the June I went out at elementary and from that was a novice I got 55 in and so people around me were like why are you doing why are you doing elementary when you're really crap at novice um but all my trainers have been telling me you have to go out elementary she's a you know advanced horse so you have to just crack on so I was like right I trust in the training I trust in what I'm doing let's go and obviously you have my back too to make sure that I wasn't thinking that I was doing something stupid um and we went from a personal worst score to by November we were smashing 70 percent um but the journey along the way, people were thinking that I was a weirdo, that I was on drugs because they knew me from before where I was so focused and would be really angry if I didn't get a great score or win. And then we went to the Festival of Dressage at Sparshall with my friend and I didn't have a great test. Um, she was tight, she was tense, whatever, but I hit all of my personal objectives. So I was skipping round like I'd won the Olympics my friend's like, what are you on? Like, who are you? Um, and I'm like, look, I've got a ribbon and it's a pink one. I came fifth. Woo -woo! And I was really happy because pink, I like pink. So, I, you know, I was like a kid. I was like 11 years old skipping around. And I think after that, my friend also started having sessions with you. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's been a crazy journey, really. But I love it. I love competing now. I've gone from hating it. Well, not hating it. I thought I enjoyed it um but I love it I'm like a kid going out I don't care what score I get 
Um, I'm sure that will change, you know, this year has been, well, last year was about, you know, consolidating my mind um, and just getting that right. But as a result, you know, the work is getting better at show. Um, and so, yeah, we're moving onwards and upwards once we get out of this horrible lockdown. Yeah, indeed. And you're really lucky, though, aren't you? Because <clears throat> about the horrible lockdown, you've got your ponies at home with you, haven't you? And you're building an incredible place there with some really interesting stuff. So tell us a bit more about that then. So, um, yes, you're right. I suppose I need to start at the beginning, really, of my um, my journey. So I have already mentioned Buddy. He was my old competition horse. He's still around, um, but he's semi-retired now. But well, eight years ago, nine years ago, he was six years old and he was diagnosed with navicular. Now, it was I was obviously devastated. I'd lost a horse two years before because of a massive DDFT tear. So I was just thinking, oh, God, it's all happening all over again. Um, and it was awful. We did, you know, all the treatment, you know, steroid injections into the feet. I did remedial shoeing. I tried everything and nothing was working. Um, to be fair, I didn't try it for a really long time, but I already knew that it just if, you, if those things are going to work, they're going to work quick and it just wasn't happening. So um, when Legend, my old horse, was injured, I'd heard a friend had told me about this place called Rockley Farm. It wasn't appropriate for him, so he didn't go. Um, but I thought, right, OK, maybe Buddy could go um and at this stage my vet had said to me look you're gonna have to put him down or um you know he can hack probably on butte and maybe do some light dressage if you're really really lucky um but you're never going to be able to do it. i bought him to events so you know he was never going to do what i wanted him to do my gut feeling was saying i just don't think this is i just don't believe you <laughs> so, which i know some people think is crazy nuts but trust me i was obviously right um so I sent him to Rockley Farm and he was there for 12 weeks. He was sound in, well, he was heel first, which is how you want them to land um, after six weeks. And then he was sound within eight weeks and I was back out competing. So he went there in the November. I was back out competing in the April. And ever since then, he has, well, we show jumped for our county. He's done BD, he's evented, he's hunted. He is just, well, he's just amazing. Um, and he's the horse that's changed my life. And I could get quite emotional and cry about it um, because he's really special. Um, and although he hasn't, he didn't hit my dreams of getting me into tails again, um, he's completely changed the way that my life has gone and the direction that my life has gone in. Um, and so he has been the inspiration around from the ground up. Um, so this is something that I am starting to do. So as Jenny said, I've got the horses at home. Um, the plan always was to build a track system and have a rehab place here. Um, the plan is going to be really, you know, low key um, in terms of numbers of horses. So I'm only going to have a few because I want to give a really personalized service um, to the people that come here um, because it's really hard. Rockley, I owe Nick everything. Um, sorry, um, because otherwise Buddy would have been put down. <clears throat> but I missed him terribly. Rockley is in Devon and I was super lucky. I could go every two weeks um, to go and see him. My husband <laughs> loved me so much driving four hours every other weekend. Um, but we made we made we made of it what we had to at the time um but because of that um I really missed him and I wanted to see him every day I'd gone from seeing him every day to having nothing and as I say I was really lucky other owners don't see their horses for 12 weeks sometimes longer um and so for me I want to do it slightly differently and just allow owners to engage um on a daily basis with their horses, on an hourly basis if they want to. Um, so we've got kind of webcams through the track system that the owners can access um, and they will be able to engage with me directly on a kind of a daily basis. But this is all in the future. Um, this isn't happening right now, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, it's that's the plan. Um, and yeah, we'll get there at some point soon. <laughs> So that's the future plan which we love we love to have a future vision don't we because having a future vision gives us something to motivate us to get over the difficult things to overcome the challenges um 
so tell us a little bit about what's going on now with From the Ground Up and what you're doing and tell us some stuff about that. So I qualified um, as a equine sports and rehabilitation massage therapist um, <laughs> a couple of years ago. Um, and originally I did that because Buddy had an injury with his neck. So he's got calcification of the nuchal ligament, which is why he's semi-retired now. Um, and he just won't let anybody else anywhere near him. So I thought, right, I can help him. Um, but as a consequence, obviously horses going through rehab, their bodies change. Now, Bella has been, she got steroid-induced laminitis in November. Um, and so she's been through a recovery period since then. Um, and I've been able to treat her three times a week because obviously the body massively changes when it's compensating for an issue, particularly in the feet. And that can be front feet or back feet. Um, but you will see patterns within the body where the horse is obviously changing its weight um and so I can try and you know help adjust that and you know there are so many things when a horse is going through rehab and particularly you know <clears throat> navicular and front feet issues are genuine generally caused by the fact that the horse isn't moving in the right way now what I mean by that is a horse should be landing in a barefoot horse should land heel first so heel down, heel down. Now, a shod horse will land heel first, but it's rarer in a shod horse just because of the weight of the shoe. So you want them to be landing as flat as possible. And it normally is kind of like this. Um, horses with navicular and other issues tend to land toe first. Now, that can be for a whole host of reasons. But if a horse has got a long toe, underrun heels, contracted heels, just the way that they're moving is changing. Now, if you can identify this, this is a real early warning system. So if your horse is landing toe first, that doesn't mean they've got navicular and they're gonna, you know, you, you don't have to panic, um, but you do need to do something to change it. Otherwise they will get ligament issues and then bone issues. So um, what I really want to do is help horses and owners understand those early warning systems. Now that can be through the musculature if you're, physio or body worker whoever you use starts to say to you okay we're seeing you know there's always a tension behind the saddle you've had the saddle checked you've had you know vet checks done everything done maybe start to look at how your horse is actually moving um now most physios and body workers should walk your horse up um before and after every treatment anyway um some don't um but that's personal preference however you can do it yourself. So just by walking your horse away and back towards you, you know, everyone, well, most people have got smartphones, so they've got like slow-mo function on there now. So you can film it. You want them literally walking straight in front of you, get on the ground, video them, and then you can slow it right down and watch the footfall. Um, and if you have any concerns, one, speak to your hoof care provider, whether that's a farrier or a trimmer, um, and just say to them, look, you know, I'm seeing this, should I be concerned? Now, a lot of people are worried about talking to their providers because they feel they're the professional. Um, and I was there. And I have to say, if I had have questioned a bit harder, when I thought Buddy wasn't right, I probably wouldn't have been where I am. So, you know, there's good things to that and bad things to that. Um, but my farrier told me I was wrong um, and I wasn't, I was right. So don't, just because your professional is your professional, if something's telling you there's something else going on, just, just do a bit of digging. And my favorite thing that I always tell all of my clients, why? Ask why. And if someone cannot explain to you why they're doing something, they don't know why they're doing it either. And so that's your that then becomes your responsibility as an owner to say, okay, whoa, like we might need to change the path that we're on. And whether that's, you know, working with your farrier to find a new way or your whoever your vet because this happens to vets too. My vet told me I was crazy. Um, and now he sent, I think, 35 horses to Rockley. So, huh? um, <laughs> so you know, you can help edge it as long as you do it in the right way. And it must not be confrontational or, you know, trying to let them think that you know better because they've got a huge wealth of experience and you wading in saying, oh, I've read about this thing on Facebook. That's automatically going to put their back up so work with them and say look I want to understand why my horse is doing this um and most professionals will work with you in that way and if they don't they're not the right professional for you so it's time to find somebody else
Sorry, that was a long rant. No, that's amazing. No, I love it. And I love the way that you look at this because that's slightly different to most people. Most people will say, listen to your professional and do as you're told. And I love the fact that you're you're saying, well, yeah, I mean, they are a professional. They've got a wealth of knowledge, but they don't, no one knows everything. Some people have missed some information. I love the fact that you said to your vet, you know, I'm, I'm not quite sure about this. And you do get a gut feeling when it comes to your animals. You do, you do know whether or not you kind of think the person that's telling you it is really right or whether there might be something more or you know often so many times when I've spoken to people about their stories with horses they said I just kind of knew that wasn't really it or that wasn't really right um and so what do you do in that circumstance well you can go and get a second opinion can't you or you can just kind of start looking into other things and other information but you know google is a wonderful and dangerous thing at the same time isn't oh, it completely completely and I think you know, you are your horse's advocate. And so you are the only person who has got their back. And so if you don't think something's right, I mean, I've seen, I've had it before, you know, I've seen something or my horse is acting in a slightly weird way. Um, one of my old horses, I'd had a lesson, he'd been fab, um, <clears throat> ties him up in the yard and he just wasn't eating his hay net. And I called the vet because I knew he was colicking. And the vet was like, you're mental. And then he was like, oh, actually, you're not so mental. <laughs> but we know our, we spend every day the vets and other professionals just don't um and so I mean when I speak to my massage clients I always ask them is anything you're worried about anything they're doing a bit weird um because I just want to know because sometimes I will find things in the body and then I can be okay that makes sense because they're doing that now um and then I can say don't you know just keep an eye on it if they keep if they start doing it again we need to treat them um and yeah it's a really fine line I think between spouting to your professional trust you have to trust them um and I work with an amazing hoof care provider I get him down from Northumberland a guy called Steve Lee um he's insane and I will always trust him even well actually we never clash on judgment so I can't say that um but I've been working with him the whole way along since Rockley um and it's really important that you have, and I know other people have spoken about it, you know, having those people in your team that have your back are so important. Um, and everyone that I work with understands, you know, my mentality, I need to know why they're doing certain things. I, I'm very conscious of working with the whole horse, um, hence why we're called from the ground up because everything starts from the hoof and then kind of echoes in the rest of the body. Um, all my people that I work with have the same ethos as me you know they understand where I'm coming from and again that's really important because I'm not uber traditional I am um, very open-minded I listen to my horses I do crazy wacky stuff um, you know I don't have crystals and stuff hanging in my woods yet but I might do one day if I think that's a benefit <laughs> <laughs> so you know I am totally horse driven you know I will be led by what they tell me you know everything doesn't work for all horses I've had you know clients that I've told I, ca I can't treat your horse not because I can't do it it's because the horse just doesn't like me we just don't vibe together um and there's no point in working with a horse who um if I'm making him tense and upset I'm undoing all the work that I'm trying to do so you know and they're wasting their money spending it with me so um again you just have to go with the flow and read the horse in front of you would be my probably biggest advice cool okay that's amazing thank you and I love the fact that you've touched on the fact that you are open to all kinds of things because horses are these incredible creatures that work on levels that we just don't understand um at all most of the time and it doesn't mean that you have to be running naked through the woods wasping crystals and incense around I mean you might want to do that, that that's fair you know yeah it's totally an option and I'm sure probably at some point this weekend you may even no okay fine um, but what I love about your ethos, and I really share it with you, and there's some great comments coming through as well about how we have to listen to our horses. They haven't read the book. We need to work as a team. We need to think about them and listen to them. We, they, they love the fact that you say you're your horse's advocate, like your best advocate. Yeah. Um, I just want you to tell us a little bit about um, your ethos around feet. So you and I, so I've got barefoot horse as well. Um, and um, I've always decided to take my horses barefoot. And yes, I also still want to compete in affiliated levels and doing different things and have them as a really capable all rounder and able to do stuff. And, and it's not always the easiest thing to do. That's for sure. I mean, you have to be at the moment really quite strong 
um, from a mindset perspective, actually, sometimes to get over. I mean, certainly there was a lot of questions around why, why I took my six-year-old perfectly healthy Irish sports horse who had no problems with feet, why I took his shoes off when he didn't have a problem. And I, and my answer was always, well, that's why I've taken them off because he doesn't have a problem. So I'm taking them off now so I don't cause one later. And that was my ethos. Now, barefoot's one of these things, isn't it? Like there are the evangelists out there, aren't there? They're the people that think you are the... Sorry? Barefoot Taliban. The barefoot Taliban. Yeah, we can call them that. Though. And these are, you know, people that think you are the, the cruelest person in the world, nailing metal on a horse's foot and all this, that and the other. And, you know, there's always extremists and everything, isn't there? And, and these people exist. And unfortunately, you can give barefoot a bad name sometimes. But what I love about your ethos is the way that... Um, you the same as I share this value of do what's best for the horse so tell us a little bit about what really drives your idea of hoof health and what's best for the horse on in relation to that yeah I mean for me it's been a real journey and I think the mindset I wish I'd known you then <laughs> when I took Buddy barefoot because I had some really horrible people around me as well who were telling me that I couldn't do this and I would never do this and I couldn't achieve and I, you know I'd never be able to canter a 20 meter circle on grass and for me I knew where they were coming from because I understand from their own personal journeys I know why they were saying what they were saying however it was really hard and I spent the weeks leading up to Buddy going to Rockley, I sobbed into his mane in his stable every night because I was like, what am I supposed to do? Do I just shoot him? That was literally my only other option. Send him to Rockley or shoot him. And for me, that wasn't an option. So I personally keep all my horses barefoot. All three of them are. So I've got Buddy. He's obviously never going to be shot again. Um, Bella, I got three years ago she was shot all around when I got her um and Dancer is my rising four-year-old she's never had shoes on um my personal preference always is unshod however I'm always driven by the horse um so um Bella when I got her um she was shod all round. She had very poor quality hoof growth. Um, so I would have been an absolute idiot if I'd pulled her shoes off and just expected her to carry on performing. So I did take her out on the road hacking and scared myself so much. I'd forgotten how slippery it is riding a shod horse on the road. So I immediately took her back shoes off. I didn't really care. I needed for my own. I was really scared. <laughs> so I don't know how you guys do it. Um, so um I took her back shoes off, but we were on a traditional livery yard. Then our turnout was limited um, and she had some issues with her gut that I wanted to get sorted. Now, there is a real correlation I've personally found and they're starting, you're starting to see a bit more stuff in the veterinary journals and that kind of thing about hoof health and gut health. They are intrinsically linked. Um, and so for her, I needed to get her diet right. Diet is incredibly important for a barefoot horse. Um, you need to have low sugar, starch. I feed all mine kind of the traditional old school way of straights. Um, but again, personal preference. Just make sure you're not feeding your horse rubbish. Look at the feed label is all I would say to you and do some education. Um, <laughs> um, if anyone wants any feed advice, drop me a line. I'm not a nutritionist, but I know enough. Um, so... Back to hoof health. So Bella, we had to get her gut right. I had to get her diet right and just try and encourage her feet to go in the right way. So I kept her shod in front because if I'd have taken her shoes off, she had very thin soles. Um, I would have crippled her. Um, and my plan always was to get her home um, and start to encourage her to have the right type of movement before I pulled her shoes off. As it turned out, she pulled both her front shoes off within three days of being home. And I was like, you know what? That's a sign from God. So, you know, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run with it. Um, and ironically, despite her not being a rehab, I mean, she is, well, she was meant to be my PSG schoolmaster when I got her. Um, she has been the hardest one of all to transition. And with all the stuff that's happened over the last few months, I have had moments where I thought, oh my God. And people have said to me, why don't you just put shoes on? Because it would just be easier. But for me, the feet work as an early warning system. Um, and so with horses being barefoot, 
if they become a little bit footy, you can do something to change it. Obviously, if you have a shoe in between the foot and the ground, then you don't find out about stuff like that until it's a little bit too late. Now, with Bella, if she'd have been shod, she had shock-induced steroid laminitis. Um, she came in, they were out overnight at that point. She came in, I was a bit worried about her. She looked a bit that she was moving a bit short on one of her front legs. Um, but I thought, I'll just leave her, bring her in. I went and checked her at lunchtime and her pulses and her front feet were bounding. So there was maybe four hours in between me thinking, oh, she's not quite right to full on laminitis. And I was lucky. I caught it really early. If I hadn't, I think she that would have been it for her, to be honest. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, that's my ethos. However, as I said, it's so hard to keep a horse barefoot, particularly if they're not perfect. I mean, Dancer, she's never had shoes on. I think I could feed her like on molasses she could just lick it off a stick um, and she'd still stay like rock crunching um but she's never had shoes on she moves beautifully so there's no kind of confirmation issues for her there um but you know Dar uh, Bella she looks at something and she's like crippled and you know each horse has to do their own thing now I know what I'm doing if I didn't and I reckon if I was on a livery yard right now or with all the stuff that Bella's gone on i would have really, really struggled to keep her shoes off um, because everyone would have had an opinion about what I was doing. Um, but I don't, so <laughs> I, could, I could do my own thing. Um, but that's, you know, again, being your horse's advocate, that would be the only thing that would keep me going. And for me, I knew what benefit was I going to get for putting shoes on her? Well, one, I probably would have co caused concussive issues by hammering nails in so I would have had to go down the glue on route and the likelihood is with all the mud we had she probably wouldn't have put those on anyway so boots and pads and gentle movement were her solution but I knew that I've got a wealth of experience I've done this before so you know for other people who you know take their horse's shoes off and think oh you know barefoot isn't just taking shoes off and hoping for the best and cracking on working you know their feet adjust to growth I do a lot of work, you know, transitional work in terms of building them up, slowing them down. It's the same. I mean, I'm old school. I used to keep my pony on like a racing yard. So we used to do all of the old school fitness work. You know, they'd have off, you know, three months in the winter with no shoes on. Then you start to bring them back in and do all the walk work, you know, when you're getting ready to event. Um, and I treat it very much like that. You have to condition a horse's feet the same as you have to condition their body. There is no quick fix. You must just take your time and if you want a quick fix put some shoes on um and I don't mean that in a well I suppose I do mean that in a in some people will just put shoes on and just la 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 everything's fine um however I do believe that a lot of horses do need support from shoes now that's not to say I don't believe that all horse all horses can't be barefoot because most horses can that's a fact. Um, however, most owners and situations mean that it's incredibly difficult, if not impossible. Um, some horses have metabolic issues, which again, make it incredibly difficult to get their diet right. They cannot even tolerate grass. And I mean, again, you need, for me, you need to do a balance of perfection um, versus reality. And some horses, I mean, if I couldn't turn my horses out, they'd be absolutely miserable. And so if that meant that I had to put some shoes on, then do you know what? I put some shoes on so they can go out and actually live a nice life. Um, if your circumstances do not allow you, I mean, I'm blessed. I know I am because my horses are off grass most of the time. The grass that I have is perfect because I reseeded it and did it all myself. Um, but even so, you know, it's, I appreciate that. And I know that that's not everybody's reality. I think a lot of yard owners are, and particularly with you know the space issues that we're having with turnout um i think a lot of owners are starting to switch on to you know track mentality and thinking okay you know if you have an all-weather track it doesn't actually have to be that long i think my track right now my winter track was about 200 meters long for three horses um but because of the way I've stationed the water at one end, there's hay stations all along. I'm constantly encouraging them to move. Um, so it doesn't have to be long, but you have to just enrich them in a different way. And I think actually, if more owners, livery yard owners looked at this, they would probably get a lot more value out of the land that they've got right now, um, particularly the equicentral systems whereby you can have access to paddocks and that kind of thing. But I think 
based on the, the couple of winters that we've had, it's looking like they're going to be wetter and wetter and wetter, 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 wetter. Um, and so um, we need to start thinking about other ways to keep our horses because it is not good enough to keep them in stables from October to March. It, that's not okay. Um, they need to be moving. They need to be active and doing other things. So yeah, I, I would say I'm probably more passionate about getting your horse out the box than um, shoes versus non-shoes. <laughs> cool, okay. And let's have a look at some myths then. So let's debunk some, because I know obviously having barefoot horses myself, um, I'm always getting told all sorts of crappy things from people. Um, so I think some of the some of the myths, some of the things that you come across, um, like for instance, um, I was always told, well, my horse doesn't do much uh, my horse does too much road work, so its feet are going to wear down. Um, tell us about that one, and then I'll ask you some more as well as we go, because I've got loads of great ones. I had um, had someone tell me I was going to wear my horse's feet down to bleeding stumps if we carried on doing the work I was doing. <laughs> um, so I think in the summertime, I can do, I mean, I use the road as a trimming tool. I don't trim, well, I, that's a lie. I do trim now. Um, a little bit because Buddy doesn't get the same level of work that he used to do. Um, but I use the road to do my self-trimming because I my ethos again, self-trimming is a rockly thing. Um, it's not appropriate again for all horses. Um, but for me it works. It allows them to grow the hoof that they need to grow. Um, and Buddy's got a really interesting conformation issue with his hoof where he needs to have a little millimeter extra um, just on the lateral inside edge. Um, just to help him keep his stability. That's obviously compensating for an issue we can't see. Um, so I don't know what I was saying. Oh yeah, bleeding stumps on the road. Um, so Buddy does about 15 miles a week in the summer on the road. Bella does a little bit less because she hates hacking, um, but she would do more if not. But again, as I said earlier, it's about, you know, if I took a horse's shoes off and did 15 miles on the road, yes, they would be absolutely crippled. It's about, adjusting and transitioning the horse's wear to the horse's growth um, and they adapt incredibly quickly the Rockley Rehabs did a ride across the Ridgeway um, and they were seeing the horses over the weekend they the horse's growth had sped up over the weekend to adapt for the fact that they were doing extra miles even though they'd done all, obviously all the conditioning and training work prior to doing the ride um, the horse just instantly adapted its feet and that for me is like unreal um, I find that fascinating that the hoof can adapt so quickly um, and also terrifying that we nail a bit of metal on that stops it moving. Um, but yeah, um, other, my other favourite one that I'm told by all um, the big dressage trainers, so Spencer Wilton told me this and Andrew Gould, I had a very interesting conversation with them about this, um, that I need more support for my horse doing more advanced movement um, to have shoes on. And I said, okay. I asked why. I said, why, why do you think that might be? Um, and they said, well, you know, you need the shoe to support the foot to carry the weight behind and do it. I was like, okay. Um, I had to put my face on, like, don't be like, hmm. um, and so I said, okay, just tell me how a shoe, which is like a quarter millimetre of a inch of steel or whatever, um, just tell me how that gives more support than the world. Yeah, faces are like, oh. and that's a great one. You know, the earth is, I don't know how big it is, it's massive, um, but the earth gives far more support than, you know, a quarter inch of steel ever will. Um, now, if you're talking about, you know, compensating for other issues within the body, then that's a completely different conversation. Um, and again, there are other ways you can support your horse rather than putting shoes on. But again, different strokes for different folks. If you need, if your horse needs to have a pair of shoes on to do the work that he's doing, then you know that's fine. But do not be fooled that 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 shoe is giving additional support because it's not. Great, thank you. Okay, so another one that I get told all the time is. Um, well, I don't want to be riding my horse over loads of stony surfaces or hard surfaces and things. I want to be able to school my horse and ride it on the grass and in and, and the schools and things. So I, I don't want to have to go through that phase of transitioning them to harden their feet up. Yeah. OK, well, don't take shoes off them would be my answer. Um, if you don't want to put the time in 
and you want to carry on and that's you know we have our horses horses are very expensive if your ambition is to carry on competing and training and not allowing the horse to adapt then actually it'd be very unfair to take the shoes off so in that situation I would say you know if you if you don't want to put the time and work in then keep doing what you're doing as long as the horse is still moving in the right way and you know all those caveats <laughs> that we need to put on um but I mean I got told that that I could never canter a 20 meter circle I'd need studs to event and don't get me wrong I didn't event to a high level and Buddy was really rubbish so if anyone wants to go and look at my record do it because we got eliminated all the time um but <laughs> he was rubbish which is why we gave up um but I was at where was I not Aston Walls anyway I was at Crown Farm Ascot under Witchwood and it's very slippery there it was in the middle of the summer we've just had some rain and that's the worst type of footing just so you know where you've got a bit of dew on the grass but the ground underneath is rock hard that's very difficult um to deal with and I was warming up for the show jumping and again I ride in a considered way. I'm not doing, you know, hairpin turns around because I know I'll, my horse will fall over. Um, but other horses were literally just falling over in the warm up um, and they were shod and studded um, and I couldn't believe it. And people were saying to me, oh, my God, you've, your horse doesn't have any shoes on. I had one person come out to me and say, oh, my God, you, your horse lost all his shoes in the ring. I was like, no, he didn't have them before he went in. But thanks. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So I think, again people say you can't do it now I would put a caveat around that that you definitely can do it it's 100% possible but if you want to be super competitive and you want to make the time on a twisty turny show jumping course or a twisty turny cross country course um on ground that is not ideal then you need to rethink what you're doing um some horses can cope some horses just can't again um so read the horse in front of you see what you're doing adjust it to your competitive mentality because for me i mean people say oh you, i'm sure horses couldn't go five star with no shoes on i actually think they probably could um could they be competitive again i think it would depend on the horse um and the rider you just have to read the situation that you're in and every horse is completely different every rider is different um so yeah it's again not one shoe fits all <laughs> and I think you know some of the comments here about my my old trainer evented to two star um you know with a barefoot horse there are horses that are heading up towards five star barefoot and I think like you say it's about reading the ground just as much as anything isn't it I mean okay there might be some days where you go right this just isn't going to work for my horse because they need more grip but then you're probably going to be saying that with a horse with shoes with studs you know without shoes whatever you know what ground is going to work for your horse I mean a shod horse with a stud in thick holding ground is probably going to do more damage to themselves than maybe a barefoot one for instance perhaps it depends doesn't it yeah and you um, need to be conscious of that and look at you know the factors of I mean I hardly ever studied my horses even when they were short because I was so conscious of one injuring themselves treading on themselves with a stud in um but also the biomechanics I mean if you've ever seen slow-mo footage of a studded horse landing from a fence I mean there is they are meant to have some slip to kind of take that concussive force away and to remove that I mean you just see the ripples of shot go all the way up the leg and it actually makes me want to vomit but um yeah, it's it's really scary when you when you look at it at that level, but you just have to read the situation and your personal preference, really. I think what was really interesting for me when I took my perfectly OK horse um, barefoot and got asked continually why I had done it um, is we were having problems. He was six. He wasn't very balanced in his canter and we were having real problems um, in the left canter at getting that left hind to sit underneath him. Now, this is a body thing he has. Um, and I think it's also a body thing I have as well, because I'm a little bit crooked, so it doesn't help him with the left hind. But as soon as we took his shoes off and we were in the school because we were able to work on soft surfaces to help him out to begin with, we saved the harder, crunchy stuff until later on when his feet had adjusted. And yes, we did have to give him a little bit of painkiller to begin with just to help him adjust, because to get to his fields and back, we're a little bit stony, like we couldn't do anything about that. Um, but as soon as we took those shoes off and he found his found his feet, <laughs> like literally, and to begin with, they are a bit like, whoa, what's going on here? This is a bit weird. He, he, his canter massively improved because whatever was going on, and I don't know what it was, just not having a shoe on, whatever that was doing, it might have been the way he was being shod, it might have been the type of shoe, I don't know. 
but having taken that away and letting him get used to his own body was incredible it was like almost instant for him that obviously made a massive difference and for some of them it can I mean I say to a lot of people I've actually got a shoe on the yard I've actually got quite a few shoes um from old horses but I say to people if you don't think a shoe affects the flight of the limb hold a shoe in your hand and swing your arm backwards and forwards and the amount that your muscles have to compensate for that extra weight and obviously a horse is much bigger than my arm um but the principle is the same you know if you have a slight incorrect flight or your the, the limb wants to move outwards or maybe inwards a little bit more that the weight of the shoe will affect the flight of that limb and it's impossible for it to not happen um, even with the lightest shoes anything that you put on the end of a horse's foot will change the way that it moves and boots and everything and I'm not a massive fan of boots either I don't use them on any of my transitioning horses unless I have to again Bella had them and Bella has her snazzy trainers now for hacking um, just while she you know changes and her feet come back um, but it's it's really tricky I think you have to again be led by them but a lot of horses um, there's a word called proprioception which is awareness of you know the feet <laughs> um, and so for a lot of horses they've got no idea where their feet are um, and a lot of horses I think we used to do it with the eventers and show jumpers that you would then encourage them to kind of pick their feet up and be aware where their bodies were by doing lots of grid work and pole work to kind of you get them to smack the poles and you know they'd start to pick their feet up but a lot of horses if you just take their shoes off they all of a sudden oh look what I've got at the end of my legs <laughs> they realize and so that automatically improves their movement I mean all of mine um I've got quite a lot of pictures actually of watching them particularly their shoulder movement in the trot from being shod to then not being shod I mean the shoulder extension they can get is so much better cool thank you okay so I have a question here and I think this is a really relevant one because it was one I was going to ask you anyway but it's actually now come in from a specific person not the person who I was thinking about when I was going to ask you it so Joe said Krista we need to have a chat (laughs) um (laughs) we've got several that I've taken the shoes off for everything that's happening at the moment and I'd really like to try and keep a few of them barefoot as there's no reason why they can't stay that way but at the moment oh it's just changed sorry at the moment um they're crippled so they need some help or confidence with the transition period now this is a really interesting question because I know one of my dear friends um you know Ali um she decided just before we all went on lockdown obviously we didn't see lockdown coming but we she decided that actually she'd take the shoes off and and the great thing is is that her farrier used to be my farrier and then when I decided to start doing barefoot I got a podiatrist to start doing it and actually the nice thing was is at that time they were they were both I was still on the same yard and when I took the shoes off my horse my farrier understood that I was going with the podiatrist and then they started chatting to each other so it's really nice actually because because I've got a very the farrier is very open-minded to this stuff and the podiatrist loves having a chat with the farrier funnily enough they're both called Mark as is my husband so it all gets very confusing but um so when she then asked the farrier um I'm thinking of taking his shoes off actually because obviously we're not training or competing like we were um yeah financially it might help a little bit and that's one of the myths actually about barefoot is that it's cheaper and it's not necessarily at all no in fact certainly not sometimes um but um she said to the farrier you know shall I do his back feet first or do he said no just take them off and we'll transition him now that's great to have come from a, a farrier or you like to yeah. call them a, a foot care professional isn't it yes yeah. I like that that's a good phrase hoof care professional. hoof care professional anyway so this hoof care professional said let's take them off literally I think about three or four days later we went into lockdown like that and then and we were the access to our horses was taken away that's one of those things it is what it is right but she's now aware that obviously he's now in this funky transition period um where she's not there to be able to do anything with him um but actually might be able to help the yard or advise if there's anything that can be done to help him through it so i think it's the same kind of question as what joe's asking which is what can we be doing to help with that and then afterwards what can we be doing to continue the transition as well if we do get back to start riding and things I would love to tell you that there's a really simple answer to this, but there is not. Um, You have to be a bit of a detective. Um, So whenever I have horses' shoes removed, I like to do it towards the end of a cycle. Um, So they've got a little bit of hoof wall left um, just for that kind of first two-week period, which is normally when you would have um, 
you know, they normally feel their feet after that period. So if you've given them a little bit of extra time to kind of adjust, that always helps. So I never, ever do that. Um, I never trim. Lots of people trim just after they've taken the shoes off and that's not good. Don't do that, please. Um, so then the other question would be around trimming cycle. How often are you trimming? Um, very often people stick to the kind of traditional six to eight week cycle for a shoe. Um, maybe start to push it out a little bit, see if that helps. Um, diet, as I said, is the foundation to barefoot. Gut health is very, very important. If your horse has ever had ulcers or anything like that, you have to get on top of that before taking the shoes off um, because it really impacts on, um, well, sole depth, hoof growth, everything really. Um, if your horse has been wormed or um, vaccinated recently, that can have a huge impact again on footiness. So I always feed my horses um, a prebiotic. I normally feed Protexin um, at the time of um, vaccination or worming and um, just to support the gut it seems to have a toxic reaction in the feet um, and very often they will go footy and um, Bella gets actually a soft spot in her foot on her sole which is terrifying um, but that's just her reaction um, and lots of horses do so that's what I would recommend um, as I say diet again is very very important um, I feed all my horses agrobs feed so they're on very little feed um, they're on the agrobs muesli and then I make my own like mash which is emerald green grass nuts the meadow nuts not the dry grass nuts um and the agrobs mash and then they're on supplements so um you if they're off the grass it's very obviously you need to balance the minerals that they're going to be not getting from that grazing um so as my general purpose supplement i use high form oxidane um but i have progressive earth is a good company um forage plus and Equivita, I've used all of those before, but they are not stuffed with um, fillers and molasses and sugar. They're not sugar coated. So um, some horses really hate the taste. So you have to adjust that in gently. Um, but again, only use them if you need to. If you're if you're seeing a horse as a suffering, then do it. Obviously right now we're in spring. So the spring flush is here. So if your horses are out on grass, um, find out what type of grass you have. Most of the grazing in the UK is ryegrass because um, it's fast growing and most of our pastures were used for dairy herds um, and cows and that kind of thing. So um, that is terrible. Ryegrass is awful. If you can overseed with a different mixture. Um, if you're on traditional kind of meadow, grasses that haven't been fertilized haven't been, then that's probably not your issue um unless there is an underlying you know metabolic issue with your horse that can also cause footiness um and challenges um what else thrush um if your horse has any so this is also my other uncommon myth so i got booted out of one of the facebook pages for daring to speak to a farrier about this um if <laughs> If there is any form of slit in your horse's frog or in their heels, your horse has thrush. Now, this is probably my biggest rant moment because people think that thrush has to be black, thick, gunky, stinky stuff. It is not. Um, so you need to have, if there's any form of slit, your horse has thrush. So you must, must, must treat it because, again, this will stop your horse from landing heel first and using its frog properly. If your horse's frog is withered and dying, do something about it. Um, you know, even just by packing it with some, I use red horse products are my go-to. Um, I love those guys. In fact, I'm doing an abs uh, poultice video for my page um, for Sunday Spa Day. Um, so I, I'm like, oh, look at this product and this one and this one and this one. Um, but there's also other alternatives. I've got another one, hoof clay that I use, but the point, that I'm trying to make is that you want to um, by using a clay or something like that by stuffing it in the crevice you're healing it from the outside from the inside out um, but you're also encouraging the growth because that clay's in there it's giving a bit of pressure so it's encouraging that movement and that's how horses feet grow and how the frog develops is by you need to stimulate it somehow so again if your horse's frog isn't touching the ground um, if your horse is shod you need to get your farrier to start looking at that and trying to encourage the frog to touch the ground um, because the shoe should not be the only weight bearing surface for your horse's foot. So yeah, there's there's millions of reasons, but I'm happy to kind of talk through, if people want to contact me separately, I'm happy to walk through because there's 
hundreds of questions that I could ask and find out why. <laughs> but I hope yeah. that helps. No, that's really great. Thank you. And I think what that does again then is just shows that there isn't one answer to this, that it is totally bespoke, it's totally tailored and that what what you want to help people with with their horses is the right answer for that horse and that there's so much to this. I mean, we say the word holistic and people think, oh, heck, we're on to crystals again. But, you know, actually, um, holistic means the whole animal, um, which means looking at everything it means feed it means it means turnout it means exercise it means body movement it means even the rider you know I mean the most interesting thing I found with taking my horse barefoot is that I can't get away with being unbalanced um because it shows up in his feet <laughs> so he lays down he lays down a lot more on his right fore to compensate for his left hind because I'm a bit wonky ah done um, that is okay because he can he can compensate for that um, and they will. I mean, Buddy got stung by a bee and he grew out a magnificent flare on the opposite hind um, to compensate for where he was just weight bearing slightly differently. But it happens. You know, that's life. <laughs> and I love that. And I love the fact that actually you can learn so much about them by looking at their feet when they're not when they haven't got something on it that's preventing it from showing stuff to you. Um, mm. Okay, so we haven't got that long left because I'm trying to keep this within an hour this time. We could all, everyone I've chatted to, we could go way over. But is there anything you would like to just end on? A final thought from Krista, if you were, around, you know, what you're doing, what you're passionate about, where you've come from. You know, I'm just giving you a chance to think about some things at the moment. Um, you know, your journey, anything you'd like to say to anyone about anything to do with their horse, their rehab, how they keep it, what they think, their mindset, the competition and what life is about generally, Krista. <laughs> ah, subjects and a half. Um, I think my biggest takeaway, and I wish more people would do, is listen to their horses. Um, very often they will tell you things um, and try and listen however you can. You know, be quiet. Um, if you have a busy mind, I do. Um, it's sometimes really hard if you've had a busy day at work and then you go to see the horses um, to just shut down for a minute and be present in the moment I know that's like a buzzword you know um but it's so important because they feed off your energy too and so if you're not feeling great they won't feel great either um but I suppose from a personal point of view um for me it's taking the time to invest in yourself um I think I've spent years and thousands and thousands of pounds on training and improving my horses and buying the right kit and you know if I buy this it'll take one second off my time and you know I'd made a significant financial investment in my competitive career but not once had I looked at the impact of me now I'm really good and I do do physio I've got regular physio and osteopathy but um my mind I'd kind of totally forgot and that was the very very last piece of the puzzle when I was getting everything else when I couldn't get anything else right I was like what can it be so I think take the time if things aren't going great I would actually I wish I'd done this years ago to be honest um I think it has a huge impact on all elements of your life so if anyone's dithery dallying about you know signing up for one of your courses I promise you it has literally changed my life um and sent me in a completely different direction so I am so grateful to you and thank you so much for the opportunity to speak today because I do I really appreciate it thank you so much Chris that's really nice to hear that and I can absolutely assure anyone listening that I didn't know she was going to say that at all it's really sweet so oh thanks love you too um there's a lot of love in the flying changes team I have to say because you know we've been really careful picking who is allowed to be a part of our team and we always have like we had 30 ambassador um applications for our ambassador scheme this year and we took 10 on and the only reason we took 10 on is because the team were all happy to rally around the ones the guys are already here like yourself Krista and other people to actually you know support those people that are coming on board because I wouldn't be able to look after that many ambassadors so thank you so much for everything that you've done thank you so much for everything you've done for the horses and your amazing knowledge and your passion and your fun and your amazing hair love it there's been a comment on how beautiful your hair is always and like people just seem to come on these lives and just tell people they've got good hair <laughs> Anyway, we're going to finish up now. So thank you so much, Krista. Thank you to everyone. If you've got any questions for her, we'll put her details in so that you can contact her. But from the ground up is the just really quickly watch your Facebook page and your Instagram. 
Oh, that's a really good question. My Facebook is from the ground up rehab. And then my Instagram is Krista from the ground up. Perfect. So you can get in touch with her that way if you want to. But thank you so much, guys. And uh, thank you very much, Krista. Take care. See ya. And I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did. If you want to listen to more of them, then please do follow us in Apple, in Google and on Podbean. Hack Your Mindset with Jenny is the name of this podcast. So please do subscribe, follow us and we look forward to you listening in to our next one. Bye, everyone. You got this. You know you're going to rock this.